This episode of About Them Cowboys is brought to you by Remarkably Remote, a new daily microcast from the experts at GoToMeeting, all about making work from home work for you. With indispensable intel on how to stay sane, motivated, and productive at home, we're here to help you in this brave new remote working world. Find us on smart speakers or subscribe on your favorite podcasting app. You can also listen at gotomeeting.com slash tips. That's gotomeeting.com slash tips. Please welcome, from Arizona State University, the 37th overall selection in the 1992 draft by the Cowboys, defensive back Darren Woodson. How about them Cowboys? With the 60th pick in the 2015 NFL Draft, the Dallas Cowboys select, great pick, Randy Gregory, defensive end, Nebraska. Well then, no running back. They went ahead and took the last player sitting in the green room, Randy Gregory. Maybe the Cowboys will surprise us here. With the 31st pick in the 2013 NFL Draft, the Dallas Cowboys select Travis Frederick, center, Wisconsin. Wow, wow, wow. I have a third-round grade on Travis Frederick, and I like him. He's a tough guy, especially in short areas. Dallas right now has Phil Costa, who's a restricted free agent, Ryan Cook, a retread from Minnesota. This is a kid... A typical Wisconsin offensive lineman. He's tough. He takes great angles. He's strong. But I had a third-round grade on him, and I think it's a little bit of a reach at this point. The only thing else I got to say is, how about them Cowboys? How about them Cowboys, indeed. Welcome back in, Cowboys Nation, to The Athletic. And we're here to guide you through the treacherous waters that are the everyday lives of the Dallas Cowboys. And uh, we're about a week away from the NFL draft here and are maintaining our social distancing, unlike Dak and Zeke. But we're here to discuss the best and the worst draft picks of the Jerry Jones era here on About Them Cowboys. So welcome back in. I'm Kent Garrison, your full-time producer here at The Athletic NFL. And I'm excited to welcome in our panel for this episode. And remember, you can follow along all of our award-winning NFL coverage NBA coverage, NHL coverage, Premier League coverage, and more over at The Athletic. Become a member over there and secure your subscription through next year, 2021. Go to theathletic.com slash aboutthemcowboys, get 40% off, and that rounds out to about $3 per month. So use that stimulus check wisely, secure your subscription to The Athletic, and if you want to spend it wisely... You're going to get on there now. Get Dane Brugler's draft guide that just dropped. The Beast 2020 is available, and that's no extra charge with your athletic subscription. And trust me, that is worth every penny if you're a football fan. It's probably the best piece of football content that's put out uh, every year. And I'm not just saying that because he works for the athletic and he's a good friend of mine. It is truly unbelievable, and it gives you a, a full breadth of every prospect coming in to this year's NFL draft. So do that and subscribe to the prospects of pros podcast where they're talking NFL draft and also subscribe to our Mavs podcast because those boys over there, Tim Cato, Brian Damaris and the great Mark Folliwell had the one and only Dirk Nowitzki on the show last time. So check out the interview with Dirk over on 77 minutes in heaven. Again, if you want 40% off, it's the athletic.com slash about them Cowboys. So now we're going to welcome in our panel first. Welcoming back to the show again, he's that beat writer covering everything in DFW, and he's working on a long-form piece where he tried out for the Dallas Professional Laser Tag Team? I'm excited to read about this. It's Saad Youssef. Hey, Saad, how are you? Man, I have to, I, I, it's crazy that you said laser tag team. If there was a professional laser tag team that I could try out for, I'm not joking. I would make it. <laughs> you I'm, took it, I'm took really it seriously good. or... Oh, I'm really good You're at laser tag. You're every other weekend or? <laughs> when, when we could What be. have you been doing this quarantine? You've just been binging Harry Potter and stuff? 
Uh, it's really just been Harry Potter and The Office. I kind of nice. and Brooklyn Nine Nine. That's that's pretty much my go. top three. Yeah, I yeah. love Nine Nine. Yeah, it's good, man. Okay, now we're welcoming in certified professional puzzler when he's not covering the Cowboys, but he's only into those thousand piece or more puzzles. He's not into that kitty stuff. But oddly enough, he's been stuck with the Where's Waldo book for the past week and a half, and he's making progress. It's Father John Mishoda. Hey, John, what have you been doing lately? What have you been binging? Well, I finished that puzzle. Let's get that out there okay, first. Good. Uh, six days it took me, and uh, there were some there were some tough times. I, I thought about giving up and uh, throwing it away, but I stuck and stuck with it, and it was more difficult than I thought it would be. Uh, binging wise, the office started right back at the beginning, going right through it again. Just it's what I do. I do that every off season. I feel like I've watched this. I don't know, maybe five, six times now. Mm-hmm. So. Uh, I've been doing that. Uh, you know, obviously, like we talked about last time, can't get enough of that Tiger King. I saw there's a new episode up that they I'll probably check out later on tonight. But uh, yeah, that's about it, man. Nothing uh, too exciting. Still pumping out articles. Yeah, I heard uh, the Tiger King is out here in Fort Worth. So we're going to need to get a triumvirate together to get him on the About Them Cowboys podcast. That's what I'm saying. Hashtag get Joe Exotic on About Them Cowboys. Get that trending Twitter. Do it. Do your thing. Okay. And back by the demand of me and you, he's here to host, and it's a man I would trust to put my board together any day. It's Kevin KT Turner. KT, this should be a fun one, man. I've had fun covering the draft with you the past few years, and uh, we got our final mock draft here on the show next week. So tune in for that, and we're going to go through another live mock before the official draft happens next Thursday. But uh, we're going to dive into some of these best and worst picks of the Jerry era. I'm excited. Yeah, no, this is this is a lot of fun. And over the last few years, as you said, just doing this, you kind of remember and you also you forget uh, some players and where they went and what was happening. But you also remember some things as well. So it's fun on both ends, the things you remember and the things that you uh, are reminded of. Uh, it's almost like, you know, rewatching The Office, which is what <laughs> I've been doing as well. Uh, because that M- NBC streaming Dude, platform is going to take it off Netflix in twenty. I've been re- I've been rewatching The Office like when I go to bed, like not during the day, but I'll go to bed and and hit like shuffle on The Office. Man, it's been good too. <laughs> I watched the the one the other day, the safety training one, where Michael is like jumping off the roof of Dunder Mifflin into the uh, the bounce house. You know, <laughs> that, that might be Wait, my favorite episode a, of all time. Hold on, there's a shuffle option. I think there's a shuffle option. Yeah, on a so you could go from watching something without Michael in one of the last two seasons yeah. to watching like yeah yeah I like season? to be I like to randomize it I've done the I've done the full like season one through I guess nine uh, a bunch of times so I like to just be surprised with one because I like them all except okay. yeah if it's if it's Andy's the manager I automatically skip that and go back again. <laughs> can't do it you mentioned Tiger King too they, they did that last episode and had Joel McHale on it they just put community on Netflix as well which if you haven't seen that is a very solid show Oh, yeah. Uh, Don't you know Joel McHale or didn't you meet him or I feel like I I think of KT when I think of Joel McHale. Is that that ever happened? I've met Joel McHale and for a while, for a couple of years at the end of Community, he would like come on when they needed to promote Community and he kind of, uh, I kind of joked with him. We were kind of Twitter friends and uh, for for a little bit and then, you know, he just kind of faded away from me. But yeah, Joel McHale is a guy I've stalked for a long time and. (laughs) At some point, it gets to the point where he couldn't get rid of me. I finally found him in the back of the uh, <laughs> of uh, the Addison Improv. Uh, kind of broke in back there, but it was fine. It wasn't that big of a deal. Me and Joel are kind of cool. I don't. I think he would remember me. Let's put it that way. I, That's cool. I do think he, he would doesn't remember, remember me. a lot of KTs. So I mean, he doesn't uh, meet a lot of KTs. So I think he would probably remember you, KT. Just go out on a limb there. Yeah, dude. Back. Yeah, no, absolutely, right? And he's a big Seahawks fan, so uh, I think he listens to the About Them Cowboys preview podcast when we're getting ready to play the nice. Seahawks. Um, so let's pull up the John Machado article, though. This is the best Dallas Cowboys draft picks of the last 10 years. I figured we would start it out on a positive note. We'll start with the honorable mentions. Tyrone Crawford, third round 2012. Malik Collins, third round 2016. Anthony Hitchens, fourth round 2014. Um, the, my initial takeaway, and I'll just choose one of these guys and I'll let you guys go. My initial takeaway is I remember when they drafted Anthony Hitchens in the fourth round in 2014, I did not like that pick at all because I didn't like his tape. I had like a sixth round grade on him and I thought they had just drafted a guy to purely uh, play special teams. And man, I could have not been more wrong than that draft pick. That's one that I, 
that's a miss on my ledger right there. When I was doing this, I wanted to keep it the the past decade just because I'd been doing other things for the site and just, you know, best and worst free agents of the last decade, uh, best undrafted rookie free agents they've signed in the last decade. And so I tried to keep it as that. And it kind of fits with really when Jason Garrett kind of became the head coach. So it's kind of the Jason Garrett era. Um, and when I was doing that, so I didn't consider some of the other guys that um, Ken sent us a great list of some others that uh, I'm sure we'll run down. But uh, for that very last spot, it really, I mean, it came down to Anthony Hitchens, Jalen Smith, Sean Lee. And so I went with Sean Lee because of, I, I just think he's a better player and he has a longer resume uh, still with the team. But y- there's no question, Jalen Smith, and Anthony Hitchens were both great picks where they were taken at. And I mean, Hitch, Hitchens being a fourth round pick to be a guy that, that started for the Cowboys for, for several seasons. And then he goes and wins the Super Bowl with the Chiefs. Uh, yeah, that's a, that's a great value. That's an outstanding pick for them. Yeah. I thought, I, I mean, Anthony Hitchens was, was one that, you know, I, I, I don't know. I think the longevity with the team is is why uh, is why I guess he gets you know honorable mentions instead of being in the top ten. Because you know when you when you talk about top ten, it's like who do you take out? And I, I don't I don't think there's anybody that I would take out here. But um, I mean, you know, Sean Lee was one that obviously if he if he just stays healthy, he he climbs that list uh, big time. I think he moves into the top five for sure. And then moving on to the to the list there, number 10 is where we start, um, guys. Sean Lee obviously went and picked uh, 55, but there was people, I remember that year, you know, there were people who thought if he was, uh, and he had some injury questions obviously coming out of college too, but there there was talk about him being kind of a late first even guy, anywhere, anywhere in the late 20s, you know. I, it felt like a bargain for the Cowboys trade-up to get Sean Lee at pick 55. I remember being excited about that pick. Do you guys – Remember kind of your feelings of when that pick happened? I honestly don't. I was still living in Detroit at the time. Uh, I knew who Sean Lee was. Obviously, went to Penn State and he was a star there. Um, but I wasn't really following the Cowboys that closely at that time. Uh, so, no, nothing stands out to me. I was pissed off. I was... I'm, I'm going to, I'm going to sound, I'm going to sound like a kid here, but I was, I, I just like finished up like ninth grade and I was... <laughs> <laughs> And so I was, I was peak fairs and stuff. And I remember watching that draft at like, at like, uh, of some friend's house and things like that. And we were, we were not happy. I forgot who we wanted. Uh, I should, I should, I should check that. But there was someone that we wanted that, that, uh, that was still on the board and they took Sean Lee and it, and I was just not happy about that pick at all. That's amazing about so much of our draft memories too, though, do come like you have an idea of who you want. Uh, you know, whether you're right or wrong on it, usually uh, it just depends on how many of your friends uh, that are close to you hold you accountable. I'm, I'm talking about this from a fan's perspective. But you have ideas. You have guys that you want every year. I know I have guys that I want. I wanted Harold Landry over uh, Leighton Vanderash a couple years ago. I think we all wanted T.J. Watt over Taco, which is way easier to say now than it was that day. But I think we all kind of felt the same way. Um, uh, I wanted Terrence nine, Cody. By- Terrence Cody. Oh, yes. yeah, I remember him. Wow. Yes. That's who we want. Uh, number nine, Byron Jones. And man, Byron Jones, I remember covering that draft going, there's no way that many corners get to Dallas. I, Dallas needed a cornerback almost as badly as they did uh, this year, um, as they do this year. And I remember going, okay, Marcus Peters went off the board. And I was like, these run on cornerbacks are going to happen. And what happened was, you know, Trey Waynes went to Minnesota at 11. Kevin Johnson went to Houston at 16. Marcus Peters went. And when Peters went, I didn't think, I just didn't think the fourth corner was going to get to him. Uh, and I think I had Byron Jones graded uh, above Marcus Peters. But I, I just remember going, okay, once Peters went at 18, we've got to go 10 more picks here to where the Cowboys pick at 27 to get another cornerback. And sure enough, Byron fell to him and they pulled the cord. Um, I remember just being so excited because I did not think they had a chance of getting the cornerback that they needed right there uh, in the late first round without moving. And they stayed there at 27, held strong and drafted a guy and moved him around, which they shouldn't have done. But, uh, and Byron turned out to be a really good player. You guys remember kind of what you're going through uh, in 2015 for that draft? Well, I remember the combine, obviously, because he was amazing there, and he had just these mm-hmm. great combine numbers, and that's standing out. Um, but I will say that up until these last two years, I kind of looked at it as a pick of, 
Yeah, they messed that thing up. They should have taken Landon Collins. But then, you know, Byron ends up being these these past few years one of the league's best cover corners, and he elevates himself into number one corner status and that. But if you go back to his first three years in the league, Landon Collins was, you know, one of the best, if not the best. Yeah, he was. I would say he's one of the best safeties in the league. He made Pro Bowls, um, and yeah. safety was just a position that they needed. And Byron was kind of just moving around there. He was playing some safety, played some corner, and and he was solid, but nothing like he had been last year. And then again, you know, this the followed up with we had this past season. So, yeah, it ends up being a great pick. And obviously, if we're talking about him at nine on this list, the Cowboys obviously have had a lot of great picks in this last decade. Yeah, the combine was definitely something that stood out. But um, but I think I, I'm, I'm with John. Like uh, until I think really last year or a couple years ago. Um, I kind of saw that as a failed pick, but because I didn't think Byron Jones was worth that second contract, which, you know, he didn't get it from the Cowboys, but obviously he got like that big contract after his rookie deal. So he was, he was worth it. But, um, yeah, I, I don't remember exactly what I was thinking during that draft for some reason. Um, don't remember who I wanted during that one, but, uh, but, you know, Byron Jones panned out just well. You know, that Connecticut tape was very interesting. And one people, one thing, one knock that they had on him was, well, he's not doing this against big time competition. But Connecticut um, had played a, a couple of decent teams that year. And Byron had stacked up years of good college tape. And so that's where I was kind of like, I was really excited. And the combine did help you get jazzed up for him. And that was also, I think, another thing to keep in mind relatively new, just a couple years, maybe year three into Will McClay kind of being the synergy of the Cowboys draft process. And it was still, you know, unknown that time, like we know now, or at least we've known the last couple of years. Yeah. They're probably not going to take a safety high. You know, we knew that Uh, we didn't know that in 2015, we were still kind of figuring out all the ins and outs of how this team drafts in kind of a new way. So, you know, I think the Landon Collins things is interesting, but had I, you know, had we seen years of evidence of Will McClay, I think we would have been like, yeah, they're not going to take Landon Collins. We know they're not going to do that. The same way I would argue right now, they're not going to take Grant Delpit or Xavier McKinney or whatever safety you want in the first round. Like, I don't think they're going to take a, a safety in the first three rounds. I don't even think they would consider it, to be honest, especially after what happened last year. Um, and you could say a new regime and new coaches might change things, but it's one of those I need to see it to believe it type deals for me. Uh, number eight on the list takes us to Ezekiel Elliott. Obviously, the Cowboys picking fourth because of uh, the bad year and Tony Romo gets hurt in 2015, picking fourth. You know, I know a, a lot of people have their opinions on taking a running back that high. To me, once Joey Bosa went off the board at three, I actually thought this was the right pick. I know the easy thing to do is say you wanted Jalen Ramsey, and if you did want Jalen Ramsey, that's fine. I had just gotten information before that draft that the Cowboys weren't really – 100% sold on playing Jalen Ramsey as a cornerback. I actually kind of liked him better as a safety, too, based on his college tape at Florida State. And obviously you saw a lot of that, John, as you follow the Seminoles. Uh, what do you remember about the, the 2016 draft and kind of how that all went down? I remember being surprised because even going up until uh, it was the day before, um, I went. that's the only draft I've actually gone to. I mean, I was here when the draft was in Arlington, but – um, I remember the morning news sent me because it was in Chicago and it was obviously, you know, hey, the Cowboys have a top five pick. It's the first time that they had a top five pick, I think, since, you know, Terrence Newman in 2003, I think. And uh, so it was a big deal. And uh, they did this play 60 event where you can grab any of the guys that are there for the draft. So there's about 20, 25 guys that were there. And I remember being like, oh, this will be easy. They gave us like about 20, 30 minutes. I was like, I'll spend a little bit of time with Joey Bosa, spend a lot of time with Jalen Ramsey, spend a little time with Zeke. It's going to have to be one of these guys, right? And even at that time, I still had no idea, you know, who was going to be their pick. Um, you know, I was hearing all three of those guys. And then so Bosa comes off the board. And not until Roger Goodell said Ezekiel Elliott's name was I 100% certain. I had heard the rumblings that, that there was a good possibility they were going to take him. But I still kind of thought, well, I don't know how they can pass on Jalen Ramsey here uh, after like... I thought that they would tar- target a running back maybe in the second round, you know, maybe Derrick Henry, something like that. But I just figured how they came off that season where they go from DeMarco Murray, who was a third round pick, who was the NFL's leading rusher. And then they were like, oh, we can just put anybody behind this line with their- Darren McFadden and uh, Joseph Randall. And then all of a sudden to go so back the opposite way and take Ezekiel Elliott at, at, at four, I was just kind of like, wow, they're just 
all over the map on this thing. So it surprised me a little bit. Um, I have it. I had him at eight on this list just because he's the fourth pick. I mean, you should probably hit on that pick. And um, but he's obviously yeah. a good one because he's won two rushing titles since you know he's been with the Cowboys. So uh, I can't fault him for it. I mean, it's a big. It was a Jason Garrett pick. You know, they've been building that offensive line. You know, you you it. It's funny because the way it worked out, people think of Zeke and Dak together, but that was drafted to like take more pressure off Romo. You know, the offensive line yeah. was built not for Dak Prescott. The offensive line was built to make it make things easier in the transition to an older Romo, you know. And so Zeke was put in there to, you know, help Romo. And, and at that time, you know, Romo obviously had his injury history. So you're thinking, oh, this will be a good move. We give him another another weapon, uh, you know, maybe another guy that can protect him in the pocket. He wouldn't have to take as many hits. So I, I couldn't really argue with it at the time. Yeah, I think for me, this one is the second most, I guess, surprising one on the list. Um, as far as when, like, when they actually took him, uh, and I'll, we'll get to our the number one guy in, in a few picks here. But uh, for me, I was ba- I was strong on on Jalen Ramsey. That's the guy who I really wanted uh, the Cowboys to pick. Not from a at that point, I was more I was covering the team, and so I, I just thought it was a better fit for what they for you know what they wanted to do and and what their needs were. And I also thought like I still think. To this day, if you give me Ezekiel Elliott and Jalen Smith, or you give me Jalen Ramsey and Derrick Henry, I'll take the latter still. I'll still take, and I know Zeke has essentially won three rushing titles. He won two, and then, you know, he was the leading game rusher uh, that year that he got suspended. But, um, you know, I don't have a problem with the pick. I mean, I think it turned out fine, obviously, but um, I'm still taking Jalen Ramsey and Derrick Henry over Ezekiel Elliott and Jalen Smith. Yeah, and I, and I think that's uh that's very interesting. If at that time I remember going, well, I think they're going to take Miles Jack, you know, in the second <laughs> round, which right. has not obviously worked out either. Uh, well, I mean, Miles Jack's been okay, but you know, it's kind of like that, that ended up being kind of wild. Noah Spence was a guy who I liked a lot, and he just never got it going in the league. Um, I don't have a lot of thoughts on this one, but if you guys do, go ahead. Demarco Murray, number seven on the list. Uh, they took him in the third round on the twenty eleven draft. I just remember walk off interviews with Jason Garrett after press conferences when back in that time when DeMarco was there and him saying about how, you know, when they drafted him, they knew he could be a pretty good pass catcher out of the backfield, but he kind of surprised them with how well he could run between the tackles. And if they thought he was that guy going into that draft, they wouldn't have allowed him to fall to the third round. And so, uh, you know, for all the, as great as Romo played in 2014 and how they kind of caught lightning in a bottle that season. I mean, DeMarco Murray was such a huge part of that. Not only, not only as a as a runner and, and posting the greatest single rushing total in Cowboys history, uh, he was a great pass catcher too. You know, I know a lot of people will point to the the fumble up in Green Bay and things like that, and he had a little bit of fumbling issues here and there. But man, to get a guy like that in the third round, that's 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 a great pick. Yeah, I thought I thought that was a great pick as well. And and you know, look at some of the guys that went and went ahead of him. I think it was like Ryan Williams um was one. Mark Ingram obviously has been fine. Shane Vereen was was good for a hot minute there, but then Daniel Thomas again, he was he was okay at running back and those are the guys. There were like four running backs taken ahead of him. Um and, and so, you know, DeMarco uh, coming from Oklahoma, obviously the the uh, Adrian Peterson prestige. I know it was a few, it was quite a few years later, but still like that still kind of like uh, rang home for me a little bit. Um, and and I was still in in grade school days back then, so I, I like just from a pure fan standpoint, um, really liked the Demarco Murray pick. I remember that. Next one on the list, number six, Demarcus Lawrence in the 2014 draft. I remember being on the air at the fan, and the fan was carrying Ranger games at the time, so. Our show was going, and it was about to. We were about to hand it off, you know, at six thirty to a Rangers pregame. And night two of the draft starts at six o'clock, and I'm thinking, okay, the Cowboys are picking in the middle of the round, and then we get the alert that they traded up, and I'm like, so here we are on the air and about to hand off to Rangers pregame show. Uh, the Cowboys have traded up, and they traded up and get Demarcus Lawrence for the forty seventh and seventy eighth pick in the draft, and. I would say overall, once you get past the broken foot and his first training camp, I would say overall you got to be pleased with what you've gotten from Demarcus Lawrence so far. So Monty Kiffin was still around at that time, and so this was going to be a pick that came down to Monty and, and Rod Marinelli. They needed another edge rusher. Um, you know, obviously early in that draft, that's when uh, the Cowboys took Zach Martin at sixteen. But on their board, in terms of the guys that they were looking for as edge players, 
you know, number one was JW and Clowney, and he ends up going number one overall. But the next guy they had on there was Anthony Barr. And okay, so Khalil Max in this in this draft as well, too, but I, I don't remember his name being mentioned at all. I remember Clowney, Barr, and then the number three guy that they had in terms of the edge rushers they were looking for was Demarcus Lawrence. And so when he was still there early in the second round, that's when it wasn't really that big of a surprise that they moved up because they felt like you know, it's like every, all these drafts, KT, like, you know, when you're studying these guys, like it's so hard to find. If you think a guy is going to be an elite pass rush player, like you're not going to let that guy fall very far. And so they thought he had elite traits and it's proved that he obviously does have some very elite traits for rushing the passer. Yeah. This one was kind of just a wacky draft altogether though. Right. I mean, like this was the one where Blake Bortles went number three, Sammy Watkins was number four. And then like Aaron Donald, probably maybe the best player of the entire draft. Uh, I think he went like 13 or something like that or 14. Uh, it was, it was somewhere in that mid range. Right. And so, um, but Demarcus Lawrence, obviously he's panned out just fine for, for the Cowboys. I think, you know, uh, when you look at some of the other options they had at the time, I think, you know, if you went back and did it, I don't think you can change your mind on that. Demarcus Lawrence is, is the guy who on this weak defense that they have right now, he's the one that you're building around. So, um, I, the, the, I have no problem with this one. Number five, Des Bryant in the 2010 draft. I just remember when Demarius Thomas went two picks before he did. I remember thinking they're not taking a wide receiver here now. I, I just didn't know about Dez. There were all these questions about Dez. Uh, I, I just remember it not being some shoe-in that they were going to take Dez. And that's a long way to go back to. <laughs> if you would have told me in 2010 that I'd be covering the Cowboys today, man, I would have said you're a liar. Uh, so believe <laughs> me, I remember watching this draft, but as being someone that really the Cowboys weren't a major player on my radar, when they made that pick, I kind of just thought of it as kind of like one of those things where, you know, nationally they would always talk about how, um, you know, Jerry regretted uh, passing up on Randy Moss, you know. And so when they moved up to get Dez, it's just kind of, I don't know, from afar, I was like, this seems like a Cowboys pick. Like, this seems like a big splash. Yeah. And, and and that was right around the time when, I mean, with me being in Detroit, they um, they traded for it. Well, it was the season before they had traded for Roy Williams, you know, with, with the lions. And, uh, so I just remember Roy already being there and I was kind of like, dang, they're going to get Des too. Like, man, they're really loading this thing up. And I had questions about that because I had just watched the lions get multiple high picks for a decade and use them on Mike Williams and Calvin Johnson and Roy Williams and, and Charles Rogers. And obviously that didn't exactly lead to any super bowl. So I was just kind of like, I wonder how many, what they're trying to do with this wide receiver position. So, um, obviously ended up being huge for them. The guy has caught more touchdown passes than anybody in the franchise history. Yeah, the the, the Des pick was good, but you know the the conversation that I remember at least in some circles having was I think this was around where Romo was starting to get hurt a little bit, right? Like um, it was around that time, and so um, I, I think at that at that point, like people were like, oh, like if you draft a Tim Tebow what would that look like? Like, could you, could you use him as a scat back or something like that? You know, just one of those Jerry picks because you knew what Tebow was, you know, kind of like that aura of Johnny Menzel, obviously very different in, in the ways that went about it, but just a headliner. And, uh, and I think a lot of, a lot of, at least in, and again, I was not covering the team at the time, but uh, there was some talk about like, Oh, should they pick Tebow here? But then they ended up going with Des, which has worked out just fine. Number four on the list, Travis Frederick, who just retired. Dallas was picking 18th. They traded back. I, I think we all remember Rod Marinelli's here, um, and and well, Monty Kiffin was still around too in 2013. And we were just talking about the consistent like get up the field three technique guy. Sharif Floyd is uh, Sharif Floyd makes the most sense for this defense. And of course, as you mentioned in your article, John Eric Reed, the safety from LSU, there too. Cowboys trade back, take Travis Frederick, and Travis Frederick, I think, had the Classic Wisconsin offensive lineman scouting report. Not athletic, but pretty strong. Gets the job done, but his measurables aren't great. Uh, probably a smart guy. I mean, everything that you could say about a Wisconsin offensive lineman. And they kind of had those traits. And when they took him, seemingly out of nowhere, after trading back, the it was not a popular pick with the fan base. But it turns out it couldn't have been a better pick. That was incredible while also getting picks back for him. Yeah, and then ended up getting Terrence Williams, too. And that, that was just uh... – 
a great move that was certainly <laughs> certainly people didn't care for. It's funny, like I look at some of these guys on on this list, and you know we'll get to Zach Martin, but he's another one I remember. <laughs> I'll always remember that that reaction at uh, AT and T Stadium when they drafted Zach, Zach instead of uh, Johnny Manziel, and a lot same thing here when they traded back. It was like, wait, whoa, is that because they still think they can get Sharif Floyd? Why did they move all the way back there? And then they take this offensive lineman. And I don't remember who the draft expert was. It might have been like Mel Kuyper. But it was somebody who was on TV at the time. I remember saying it, that they had Travis as a third-round grade. And then so everyone was really hating on the, on the Cowboys then. You know, because this is pre, like, Will McClay, obviously, over, you know, the time has bought himself a lot of respect from the fans. Whereas at this time, people were really skeptical of what the Cowboys were doing. And, man, to look at what it's been, I mean, you know, if Travis, you know, doesn't get the autoimmune uh, disease, you know, who knows how much longer he plays and he might be a Hall of Fame player. Man, you said John basically ditto everything John said. But one thing I will add is when I did, when I said uh, a, uh, a little bit ago about Zeke, that that was the second pick that I was uh, that was most polarizing or whatever. This was definitely number one. Um, I remember being up in arms about this. I remember saying that this is a guy that no matter what, like even if he does work out, you could have got him in the second round, so why waste a first round pick on him? And and so I, you know, who knows? I, I don't know if they could have got him in the in the second round or not, uh, or or later in the draft. But um, I do remember saying that you know they that was a wasted pick because because of uh, because of where his draft status fell. I, I remember hearing a lot about that stuff too that he had a third round grade on him. So I was like, why not wait until the second round to get him? But um, obviously, could not be more wrong. Number three, Tyron Smith. And I I remember this draft just going, there's not a more perfect offensive line prospect that I've ever studied at the time. Um, 2011 is a little different. I wasn't exactly diving in and watching tape on 300-something prospects like I do now. But I just remember, you know, watching clips and still talking about the draft at times like that and go, man, this Tyron Smith guy can play. They've got to protect Tony Romo because that was a big problem with Tony getting pressured. So Tyron, uh, I remember that being, I remember high-fiving going, this is great when they took Tyron Smith. My only take on this is I'll just, I'll throw it back at you guys. I'm just going to ask you this question real quick. Just uh, uh, obviously I have Tyron high on that list, so I think it was a great pick. But if you had to redo it right now, would you guys take Tyron or J.J. Watt? Ooh, man. I mean, hypothetically, the, the left tackle is supposed to extend your quarterback's career by a long time, right? And the quarterback still ended up getting hurt because they chose to play him in a preseason game that Tyron Smith did not play in. Uh, <laughs> there's well, a lot there, man. Like, the back still ended up getting hurt. I think I would probably say J.J. Watt. <laughs> you know, it, it's interesting, though, because I because the Tyron pick, more than Zach Martin and Travis Frederick, um, more than either one of those, it's really hard to judge that on an isolated pick because – Tyron kind of set the foundation for the offensive line becoming the identity, right? So I, I think if you don't pick Tyron, like, do you pick Zach? Do you pick Travis? Like, how does that impact the years coming coming ahead? Do, instead of picking, instead of building the offensive line, do you decide to build around J.J. Watt and the defensive line? I think if you ask that same question for Zach or Travis, it's a it's more of like a one off. But with Tyron Smith, he was the one that kind of set the foundation for the offensive line. I know how great JJ Watt is. I know he's like a you know defensive player of the year every year candidate. I still think because of what the identity of the team became, I might lean towards Tyron because of what he means and what he meant to the team for the for the next decade. When I mean, we just saw these all decade teams come out, I mean, are we first of all Tyron was on there? Uh, I and I know JJ I think was on there as well, but Tyron was on there, Zach was on there, and Travis Frederick was snubbed. And so that's really like three all decade players that that you got because you drafted Tyron. So I have a hard time with that, but I think I'm going to lean towards Tyron. Well, at the time too, it fit best with their with their roster because you already have Demarcus Ware. Exactly. Um, yeah. And the other thing was too is that now they've been showing like on NBCSN some of these old Cowboys games, and they've shown multiple games from 2011 on there. And then I wrote recently about Laron Robinson, so I went back and watched a bunch of games from 2011. And even with Tyron, the offensive line is it was Tyron Smith played right tackle that year. Uh, Doug Free was the left tackle. Phil Costa was the center, and then your your two guards were rookie. Bill Nagy and Kyle Kozer. Okay. So 
it was already like a bad situation. So we, I'm just, I yeah. just wanted to put it out there just for fun. But clearly at that time when you were looking at the roster, and I remember I was, you know, I was covering the Cowboys at that time. Uh, that's when I, that was my first draft that I, that I was covering the team. JJ Watt wasn't really even talked about other than the fact that, you know, Rob Ryan, you know, went to bat for him. But why wouldn't a defensive coordinator want JJ Watt? But it, to me, it was a no brainer to take Tyron if you look at the way that roster was constructed. Tyron was seen as a safer pick than JJ Watt at that time, too. Is even as young as Tyron was, he was seen as a safer pick. Um, two is Zach Martin. We don't need to discuss that. We just hit on that a couple minutes ago. Uh, number one, Dak Prescott, obviously fourth round at pick one thirty-five. Two, two little quick things I have on this. Um, this is I remember that day doing the draft at Valley Ranch, and I remember that morning we were on the air before their first fourth round pick, in which they took Charles Tapper. Me and Jeff Cavanaugh were talking to Rod Marinelli, and we had, were interviewing him. And then after we got into it and during the commercial break, he goes, do you guys want to see something? And he went to take us back to talk football in his office. He wanted to show us some pictures of Newt Rockney. And I remember turning to the right while I was in that room and looking on the projector screen, and it's the Oklahoma defense on the field. So I go back to the broadcasting uh, setup where we're at, and I said, they're taking an Oklahoma defensive player with the first pick in the fourth round, guys. It's got to be Charles Tapper. Like, we knew it. I had it picked out from then. And then I remember on the DallasCowboys.com, like on the, on the web cam where you can kind of see inside the draft war room around pick 115 or 116 jason garrett is standing up in the war room and he's mimicking quarterback deliveries and then you know that goes and i think david hellman tweeted out about it and might have got scolded for it tweeted out that jason garrett is up mimicking quarterback throws on camera on the draft webcam then they put up and they put a sheet over it and covered it up so you knew 20 picks before it happened they were thinking quarterback and sure enough, Dak Prescott somehow got to him. Obviously, he had a good relationship with Wade Wilson, who had done a lot of work on Dak. Um, so that's uh, that's my memories of that Dak pick happening on day three of the 2016 draft. Yeah, my two quick thoughts are just the fact that are, are just two players, and that's Paxton Lynch and Connor Cook. It's two guys that they wanted at quarterback over Dak Prescott. And then you throw Ch- Charles Tapper in the mix. And the fact that they still landed him at four at, or in the fourth round, late in the fourth round, it just tells you there's a lot of luck involved with this, too. You got to give uh, Jason Garrett a lot of credit for that pick, too. He convinced Jerry Jones to, to draft Dak Prescott. Um, I did a documentary about that draft on Dak. And uh, if you want to watch it, uh, we we actually show all that footage of what Jason was saying to Jerry and and kind of the whole war room scene when when Dak was selected and. Basically, Jason had to convince Jerry to to draft Dak. Um, you know, he's like, "Why should we draft this guy?" How? Because I think Jerry's more of a, a prototypical quarterback guy, uh, fan. You know, more of the pocket passer kind of guy, and that's what he saw in in Paxton Lynch and Connor Cook. And he was like, "How how can we work this guy into our offense? So we're going to have to change the entire offense around this around if we draft this guy and he plays." You know. Um, and Jason was like, "Yeah, I mean, to an extent, but we start off slow. You know, we." We don't do it all in one fell swoop. We kind of ease them into a transition, you know, and sure enough, that's exactly what happened that exact season. You know, um, they kind of changed into a, into more of a play action, um, you know, run pass option kind of an offense when Dak ended up starting that year. That's that's an amazing, amazing thing that Jason did being able to to see that and go ahead and do him. And, and Scott Linehan really liked him, too. I got to give him credit. I'm not going to take anything away from the Cowboys for the pick. I mean, it's, it's, it's a good, it's obviously a great pick for them and everything. But to me, it just, it, it just more so goes to show how inexact of a science the draft can be at times. It's like, yeah. it, it's the same thing as like, you know, giving the Patriots credit for picking Tom Brady. It's like, if you knew that you were picking the greatest quarterback of all time, you wouldn't wait till the sixth round. I mean, if, if you knew that you were picking your future franchise quarterback, you wouldn't wait till the fourth round. And that's nothing against, you know, the the Cowboys, their scouting department or anything like that. It's just what the draft sometimes uh comes out to be and you and you have one of these picks every draft where you're just like, you know, how years later you're like, how did they fall through? But, you know, the the Cowboys got really lucky. They 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 got lucky that Paxton Lynch and Connor Cook that they were unable to draft them. Not that they uh not that they had Paxton, Connor and Dak all on the board and they're like, you know what? We're going with Dak here. And instead, it was like, all right, we're left with Dak. And so we have to kind of take him. And it just worked out. So, you know, definitely credit to them for identifying that and and everything Kent just said about about Jason, especially being able to look at that. Maybe that goes on to, 
you know, also say why Jason had the leash that he did the last few years. I don't know. <laughs> um, but, 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 you know, at the same time, I, like, you know, I'm not going to give the Cowboys like some just, you know, I, I give the, 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 the credit I give the Cowboys for Travis Frederick is not what I would give them for Dak Prescott. Let me put well, it that way. Let's be honest. He was fourth string quarterback going into that camp. And right. two lucky. injuries got him got him to play in the preseason. You know, Jamil Showers. Yeah, uh, they they picked him over Jamil Showers, and Kellen Moore got hurt, and Tony Romo got hurt. I mean, if that doesn't happen, we might not ever have seen Dak Prescott with the Cowboys. I remember in the blue white scrimmage, not knowing if they liked Showers or Prescott more, and then you know <laughs> everything kind of fell into place. Now, a quick, I'm going to run through these honorable mentions that Kent sent over. Uh, Orlando Scandrick, fifth round, 2008. Doug Free, fourth round, 2007. I mean, they got nearly eight or nine years out of him starting at tackle. Jay Ratliff, seventh round in 2005. Witten, Hall of Fame career, one of the greatest tight ends of all time. Third round, he was the 69th overall pick. Uh, you know, Larry Allen went in the second round, Hall of Famer. Uh, Darren Woodson, second round, 37. There's some really good ones. And uh, let's zoom through the misses real quick while we're at it. John also wrote an article the 10 worst Dallas Cowboys draft picks of the last 10 years. We'll just kind of go lightning around here. Number 10, Ryan Switzer. My memory of this is that the Cowboys wanted Donnell Pumphrey, the running back from Philadelphia. And once he went, they settled for Ryan Switzer, which at the time I thought was like, oh, this is a future Cole Beasley replacement type guy. They wanted to be immediately helping on special teams. It just never worked out for Ryan. Yeah, I was just, with all of these that I put on here, you had to be a fourth round or higher. I wasn't going to be critical of people in fifth, sixth, seventh round because obviously they're taking chances there. But uh, yeah, Switzer was a guy that they didn't really, they got Jihad Ward back for in a trade. So that's one of the things when I was putting this together, it's, you know, if they would have gotten something decent back for him, I probably wouldn't even put him on the list. But they drafted him in the fourth round and he had the one punt return for a touchdown and that was about it. And there was just, I don't know, like he never fit into a role that you really thought like, you know, he could be the next Cole Beasley or, or you know, fill in basically the same receiver position that they're looking for right now that they wouldn't be if Ryan Switzer ended up being the player that they thought he was. I will say one thing is, is that if you take away losing him there, they did in, in undrafted rookie free agency that year. They ended up getting Blake Jarwin. So, you know, as much yeah. as the 2017 draft is ragged on, if you look at it as instead of Switzer, you plugged in Blake Jarwin there, um, you know, then you got it's it's not it doesn't look quite as bad. But anyway. Yeah, it's a hot it's a and cold better. thing for me because because I don't know how how much expectations I usually have from a fourth round pick, but at the same time, you know, take the draft status away and what the conversation was around him, it was that he was the Cole Beasley replacement. And think about how productive Cole Beasley was for the five years before or the three, four or five years before that, ever since he was an undrafted guy that that came on. Um, I think that's where, you know, the the conversation of, you know, having to replace Beasley is what kind of elevates him on the list, I guess. But, you know, usually from a fourth round pick, like you hope that they work out, you have, you have, you know, you have more hope in that than, than, you know, later rounds. But the fourth round is really the fringe for me where you, where you really have expectations. I think fifth through seventh, you're just, you're hoping that you, that, that there's a raw talent out there that you can mold. And I think the fourth round is just the end of where like, you're like, okay, I need this player to work out for, uh, for the, for the betterment of my job security as a general manager, as a scouting department and things like that. You know, number nine, David Arkin, he was fourth round, 110 overall. He never played in the game for the Cowboys in three seasons. Charles Tapper, we talked about him a minute ago, who went, you know, the Cowboys had two picks in the fourth round of the 2016 draft. He only played in two games for them. Number seven, Matt Johnson, the safety from Eastern Washington. He was just a punchline after he just had hamstring and foot injuries his entire time and just never got to play in the NFL at all. And I remember everyone going, oh, is Matt Johnson's finally going to be healthy this year? It's like, oh, no, don't get excited. Let's go to number six on the list of misses, Chaz Green, offensive tackle from Florida. I remember the Cowboys kind of being in a running back type mode that year, ended up going with the swing tackle, Chaz Green, and obviously, you know, he's famous for that game in Atlanta. It just never worked out for Chaz here in Dallas. Yeah, I, I mean, <laughs> to take him in the third round when there was other needs – um, and, and he was drafted to replace Doug Free to be the right tackle of the future. Stephen Jones made that blatantly clear after they picked him. And to, the fact that they were able to fall into Lyle Collins really kind of, it kind of smoothed over how bad of a miss the Chaz Green thing was. 
Yeah, I agree. And he's he's always going to be looked at for that one game, which uh, fair or not. I mean, and I think honestly, it is kind of fair because it's not like he has this great resume otherwise. Um, you know, yeah, just a, it's just a bad, bad pick. But uh, Lyle Collins did help weather that storm. Number five, Tristan Hill last year, late second round. I kind of kind of give him the benefit of the doubt as like a third round type guy. The thing that comes to me is that the Cowboys just picked the wrong player. They had Connor McGovern graded higher than Tristan Hill and drafted Tristan Hill. So that's on them, uh, you know, in my estimation. Tristan Hill still has some time to to develop. He's young. uh, But, you know, as the story goes, whether it's true or not, the story is that Chris Richard kind of had that pick in his hands and said, no, we need to go with the bigger guy and not go with Juan Thornhill, who had a great year for Kansas City. And then number four, Randy Gregory. Obviously, he's had his off-the-field issues. But I remember covering the draft at Valley Ranch that night. And there was a defensive coach, I won't say his name, was running down the hallway, number one in the air, high-stepping, yelling, it's going down when they drafted Randy Gregory. They were pumped, at least at least in Valley Ranch, they were pumped. I don't know if Jason Garrett was, but some of the defensive coaches were excited to be getting Randy Gregory at pick 60 in the 2014 draft. I miss Valley Ranch so much for all of that, KT. Like, there's just nothing <laughs> right? like that anymore. But uh, I remember them having that, that uh, draft room camera on and – Jason Garrett looked sick to his stomach. Like he looked like he was pale. Like he was like, I can't believe we're about to do this. So I, I there was many times years after that where I tried to circle back with him and be like, yeah, but I don't think that you really wanted Randy and he would never commit to it. He would never say it, but I just, I don't care with the way he looked in that war room cam. It was like, Oh God, why are we doing this? Um, I might've been a little critical on Tristan Hill on the one before I just to see literally nothing out of him in that rookie year when it wasn't like they were loaded at D tackle last year, uh, a lot of opportunity for him to play and to already be healthy scratches. Um, I'm not saying that I know this is a fact or anyone's told me this, but I've always factored in that Taco might have been shown the door because they didn't want him to possibly potentially poison Tristan Hill into maybe being another Taco Charlton where they just didn't buy yeah. into what the way Rod was and they started to kind of do their own things and then you really got a problem there. And so I'm interested. I mean, hey, he can still, I mean, you got three more years of him under contract, maybe Gerald McCoy, Don Terry Poe, maybe they spark him into having whatever. And I wrote that in there that like this isn't, hey, he could totally move off this list if he gets it turned around. Randy Gregory, I'm, I'm, I'm more critical of because we've seen more of a sample size. And hey, if you were going to take guys with a questionable off the field, that you know could possibly have some problems at pass rusher. Frank Clark went a little bit later. Obviously, he just won a Super Bowl. Uh, later on in the third round, uh, Daniil Hunter was in this draft. I mean, there was other pass rushers that you could have went after as opposed to him. Uh, I just, I don't know. It just seemed like it was a big risk on, on that pick. And so when you take those risks and they don't work out, well, you're obviously going to be criticized for them. The only thing with Tristan Hill, I'll also say, it's also not like he was just a no-show and he was nothing. I mean, this dude was falling asleep in meetings and, and things like that. So so it's it's not that you were just neutral and didn't do anything, but you were actually kind of bad. And so uh, and so that's why I think, <laughs> I, 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 that's why I think, you know, I, I saw some people say, to, like, tell John, like, you know, it's only been a year. And yeah, it's only been a year. John did include the caveat that he could move off the list. But I think his name being on this list is absolutely warranted because he was regardless of that he was the second round pick he was their first pick and he was falling asleep in meetings as a rookie that's not that's just not a good look yeah no that's that is a troubling thing and hopefully he could still you know pull it out of the ditch this year but i don't know my my hopes are not good i think he should be competing for a job quite frankly to make the team um last three we'll do them all together right here number three gavin escobar if you remember the 2013 draft in the second round they took him and only had really just in four seasons, he only had seven starts and 30 catches. That's not good. Morris Claiborne, what hurts there is that you traded up to go get him. And then number one, of course, Taco really stands out when you kind of had the choice of TJ Watt. You know, I know Tack McKinley was interesting, and I think Atlanta jumped in front of Dallas because Atlanta was dead set that Dallas wanted Tack McKinley from UCLA. Um, But those three do go down in Cowboys lore is just horrible, horrible misses on a completely different level than Randy Gregory and Tristan Hill, in my estimation. Escobar, Claiborne, and Charlton. Those those are the three mega misses. 
I'd have no argument if you wanted to put Charlton two and Claiborne one. And they're both very close for me. Um, Lisa Morris Claiborne played his entire rookie contract out with the Cowboys, whereas Taco Charlton didn't even do that, and they got nothing for him in return. So not only was he nowhere near, because I saw some people mention in the comments that, you know, Taco, well, he had whatever, five, six sacks with the, with the Dolphins. How does that impact the Cowboys? Like, I don't care what he did. <laughs> they, has, I'm, this article is about what he's done for the Cowboys. Yeah. They, he was a first-round pick more. for him. They didn't get anything back for him in return. They just let him go, and he signed with yeah. the Dolphins. So I'm not, hey, I'm not saying that any, hey, Taco might go on and have a really good NFL career. Maybe he just because he didn't jive with, with Rod Marinelli and that thing didn't work out. Hey, that's fine. But for what he brought to the Cowboys, that was a bust pick. Uh, Morris Claiborne, they, I, it's not even about Michael Brockers if they just stay where they're at and have a guy that potentially still on the team right now. It's really that second-round pick. I will never forget Jerry Jones. I could take you at exactly, well, Bally Ranch has been bulldozed over, but if it wasn't, I could take you to right to the spot where after the draft, after the, uh, the second day ended, I remember me and Tim McMahon, who was, who was covering the team for ESPN. I remember staying there talking to Jerry and he was specifically asked who you guys would have taken in the second round if you still had that pick. And he said this Utah state linebacker named Bobby Wagner. I will never forget it because I had to go look him up because I didn't know a ton about him. And I remember I just jotted that down like, oh, we'll remember this one later on, you know, but what other owner slash GM would ever tell you who in the hypothetical scenario like that, it doesn't do any good for you. But I will never forget that he said Bobby Wagner and good God, if they would have had Bobby Wagner oh, instead of Morris Claiborne. And real quick, I'll, I'll just my two cents on that. I think with Morris Claiborne, it sucks because you traded up, said he was going to be the next Dion and all that stuff didn't work out. With Taco Charlton, the thing is, with, with Claiborne, you know, John, I, I had no idea about the Bobby Wagner stuff. That's really interesting. But with, with Taco, it's not just something Jerry said in some corner at Valley Ranch or something. Taco is always going to be pitted against TJ Watt for as long as, for as long as, you know, they're both alive, like, and, and after that. So, um, and so, you know, that's, that's where the Taco Charlton, I think, is rightfully number one because there's a direct player comparison there who is going to outshine him no matter what Taco does the rest of the way. Taco wasn't even a great college player. Morris Claiborne was. Taco right. was not a good college player. That was that's my issue point. with that pick. And Stephen Jones had said, well, we, did, we didn't like that T.J. Watt hadn't put his hand in the ground. And look, there was risk with T.J. Watt. T.J. Watt started at Wisconsin as a tight end. But to, for Steven to say, we don't like that he doesn't put his hand in the ground to rush. Like, what? We were, we, we, I just couldn't get over that. When that happened on the air, I remember going, all right, guys, because we're waiting on the commissioner. I was like, guys, we don't need to wait on the commissioner. They messed up the pick. It's Taco. And everyone goes, no! Like, it was so bad. Uh, I want to read uh, Kent's honorable mention list real quick, too. Uh, and then we'll get on out of here. Uh, for for the worst picks, uh, Jason Williams, the linebacker, and the famous 09 draft, really the whole 09 class that had Robert Brewster as a tackle in the third round. Bobby Carpenter, first round of 06, 18 overall. Yeah, there was a chance. That's why I, I think the white linebacker thing got Leighton Vanderash in the Bobby Carpenter realm. A good coverage linebacker, just never worked out. Uh, second round, tackle 04, Jacob Rogers. Man, they had some bad draft years going back. Um, Al Johnson, 2003. Other than Witten, Parcells could not draft. <laughs> like he, That's his, his one. Yeah. I mean, he got Romo on priority free agent list, or Sean Payton did, but, man, he had some bad drafts. Chuck Broadus, he yeah. was stubborn. Uh, David LaFleur as well. I'm glad you threw that in there. First rounder, 97. And that's kind of when things were coming to an end <laughs> for the Cowboys dynasty. Um, but, guys, man, that was a lot of fun. Reliving kind of the last uh, – well, really the last uh, Cowboys drafts of the past is what I'm trying to say and struggling to do it. Um, next week, we're going to do a Cowboys mock and get you all ready. We'll talk draft news as well, uh, getting you geared up because it's on. Next Thursday, NFL draft begins, uh, even despite the madness going on in the world. So make sure you stay tuned to The Athletic for all the latest and get a copy of The Beast if you haven't subscribed. Subscribe to The Athletic get your free copy of Dane Brugler's uh, The Beast as well. Uh, Kent, was there anything else I need to promote while we're at it here? Nah, man. Promote our mock draft for next week. Stay tuned for next week, and then um, we're going to be covering the draft as much as we can, as much as needed. So, um, yeah, just stay subscribed and uh, download The Beast. That's right. All right. I couldn't have said it better myself. For Saad Youssef, for Father John Mashoda, for Kent Garrison, our trusted producer. I'm Kevin KT Turner, and we'll see you next week for a mock draft edition of About Them Cowboys. Cowboys.